What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 26 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by noise.co.uk. I am your host, slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and I'm joined by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Sam Lewis. Hello, hello, hello. As well as the owner extraordinaire of noise.co.uk, Jack Holloway. Jack, welcome to the Noise Podcast, the podcast that you actually own, but it's the first time you've ever been on. How's it feel? Good. Thank you for having me. It's Thank been a you long both. time since I sat with you with a microphone and talk, uh, spoke about music. And since, I've kind of been dropping low-key digs for you to just get me back on. So I'm glad you finally listened. Every now and then there's been like a WhatsApp sent to me like, oh man, when can I come back on? Like he's asked me nice when you can come on the podcast. Album, lads, really yeah, I really like that too. Can I come back on, please? <laughs> I have thoughts. Oh yeah, I have thoughts on that. Thing, yeah. Yeah. We're coming at you from Butte Studios in the heart of Cardiff. I want to thank uh, Dan at Butte Studios for having us uh, sit here and talk about music for hopefully not too long. Not uh, long enough that's going to make you bored. We'll do our best to keep you entertained. How it's going to work, this is our Album of the Year show. So we've all got 10 albums uh, listed that we're going to say what we think is the best albums of this year. We're going to do honourable mentions first. Going to start with Sam, five, Jack, five, myself, five, that we're just going to reel off. And then from albums five to one, we're going to discuss in a bit more detail. Before we do that, um, I want to thank everyone who's listened to Noise Podcast for 2019. Me and Sam uh, started it up in January. Just like an offshoot thing because we've missed doing podcasting and the reception's been really good, growing at a steady pace. Uh, but we wouldn't have done that had it not been for you listening and for you buying the merch and for you just supporting Noise in general. So quick moment to thank everyone that's ever listened. Uh, we've got loads of plans for 2020. And um, stick around, we're going uh, to do the best we can to uh, keep you glad that you're listening to the Noise Podcast. Uh, Sam, we're going to start with you. Um, okay. Honourable mentions, so basically albums from 10 upwards, uh, 5 in a row. Fantastic, so I'm just going to gonna start with my honourable mentions. My first one, number 10, Knock Loose, A Different Shade of Blue. Number 9, Blink-182, with number 9. No, I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, really, okay. Really enjoyed that album, we had that conversation on the Noise Podcast. But you didn't um, put Stray on there? Yeah, I preferred it to Stray. Okay. You better do you. Song, better songwriting. Um, Menzingers, Hello Exile, eight. Seven, Fever 333, Strength in Numbers. And at six, Counterparts, Nothing Left to Love. Moving straight to Jack. Okay, I had uh, Of Mice and Men's Earth and Sky at number 10. You uh, loved that album, didn't you? Yeah, you were big on that one. I'm a big, I'm a big Of Mice and Men fan. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't prefer it to their first album but it still bangs. Um, While She Sleeps, So What, at number nine. Uh, Wildwood Kins, I know you're looking at me now like, oh, this is one of his folky ones that he's bringing in. Uh, they're like a folk, pop, uh, Elvish trio. There's nothing Elvish about them. I'm sure they're three sisters, don't quote me on that. And they've got harmonies for days. Uh, their self-titled second album at number eight. Uh, Fever Free Free Free, Strength uh, in Numbers at number seven. And... Bring Me The Horizon's Ammo at number six. Interesting. Uh, I went uh, Bring Me The Horizon Ammo at 10. Uh, that album grew massively on me. I remember like when we first reviewed it, I was like, I was like, yeah, this is a six out of 10. Like, I, I guess it's going to be for someone, but it's not personally for me. But as I listened throughout the year, the album like massively grew on me. And actually, uh, Sugar, Honey, Ice and Tea is on my Spotify 2019 wrapped my number one listened to song this year somehow. I don't know how that's managed to be, but that's, uh, I guess that's the way it is. Uh, number nine, I mean, Fever 333, Strength in Numbers. Um, that was, I mean, me and Sam caught on to Let Live quite late. We should, I, like, I kind of wish we'd have got onto the bandwagon with them earlier, because they're such a sick yeah, band. Yeah, we should have seen them live. Um, after yeah. seeing Fever 333 play live, um, imagining that with a Let Live set list, um, that sort of response would have been really, really intense. 
Um, so I'm with you. As I'm intense you. as it was, anyway. Oh, no, no. It was like a subtle <laughs> show to begin with. Um, then I went straight from the path, Internal Atomics. Um, straight from the path of a band that I've loved for a long time, but this album, I think, is the best thing they've done. And saw them live uh, last week, and it was absolutely mental. Uh, then number six, uh, number seven, sorry, I went uh, Shadow of Intent, Melancholy. Uh, seven? Number seven, yeah. Um Probably uh, contextually one of the most hard hitting yet thematically bizarre deathcore albums you'll ever listen to. <laughs> uh, how some of the guitars work in the album, I would need to be explained to a million times because I'm just not intelligent enough to understand. And then number six, actually, the album that grew on me more than any other album this year was Holding Absence is self titled. When me and you first reviewed it, I said to you that I thought this seven out of ten, and that when I first listened to it, like I didn't like it. I was like, oh, I'm not actually sure about this at all. Time goes on. Listening to it more like a shadow is actually, I think, the best song of the year, full stop. And then I saw them at 2000 Trees. Bold. Saw them at 2000 Trees. Bold and call. they were absolutely, like, phenomenal. Like, pulled in a massive crowd. Lucas Woodland. That is Woodland, is it, sir? Lucas Woodland, uh, vocalist, absolutely spellbinding. Really brilliant, fantastic pitch. And the album works brilliantly for them. And recently they've released a deluxe edition with an extra song on, which is, I believe, called Still Forever or something like that. I can't, the name escapes me for the time being. But Here Forever, I think it's called, actually. Um, bad Boy album. Really, really enjoyed it. Before we go into a full list, Sam, we've been doing podcasts for a while now, like around... We paused for a while, but we did like overall we've done like two or three years yeah. of podcast. I don't think there's ever been a year as difficult to decide my top five as twenty nineteen. No, I would wholeheartedly agree. This this list um for me started at twenty, then fifteen, then twelve. And there were lots of albums that I had to go back and in the process of doing that I was reminded by other albums I listened to the same period. When I went back over the podcast that we'd heard, I was like, Oh yeah, of course I we yeah. did that album in March and oh in, in May we looked at that album and, and it just really going back and the difficulty as well is that in years gone past, we've we've reviewed twelve deathcore albums, and it's just picking your favourite deathcore album yeah. or twelve like rock or metal albums. And this time, the genres have been more dispersed, which means that you have to measure the validity and like subjective success of of, of a rock album against maybe a deathcore album or yeah. or maybe a folk album to something else. Or and and it, and that's a more difficult process, but I think ultimately more rewarding, and I think speaks to the growth of noise that we're looking at those sort of albums outside of the typical Grebo spectrum, which I think is a nice thing as well. So I would agree with you overall though, this year has been very special. I said to you last night that this year has been so good for music that Slipknot are one of my favorite bands and Slipknot aren't anywhere near my top 10 this year. And I really liked, we are not your kind, like there, there was a fair bit of criticism for that album, but I actually think it's a really solid I think album. It bangs, yeah, I think, I I think it. realistically it's the best thing you could have hoped for from a 2019 Slipknot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and anyone that was hoping for Iowa 2.0 is just being unrealistic. Um, how difficult was it for you to curate your list this year? It's a, it's a number of reasons why it was ridiculously difficult because I listened to such a varied amount of music and it feels like there's been no let up whatsoever. It feels like usually you get that tail end of the year where nothing's coming out and nothing's happening. Not the case. We've had some absolute bangers coming out at the end of November. So you're having to hold out and wait out for, for albums that you're like, I think this is going to be great. Yeah. And that then has an impact on the whole list already that is in place. So I had like, unlike you, I had like 25, 30 
albums that I've dipped in and out of and how do you compare a country album to a metal album? In years gone past as well, I've had, I've had my top five done by August. Yeah, same. And it, it, it's just like nothing's going to shake and this. And yeah, nothing, nothing will budge it, but, the, but now it's like, I've been playing around with it today. Yeah. I'm I still remember, not sure. Do you remember 2016 and all three, of, all three of us at the time were, especially me and you, it was like Parkway Drive Vice Group, Malevolent Self Supremacy and After the Burial's Deluge was pretty much, dig deep, sorry. And that was pretty much in all of our top fives. And then there's yeah. the Periphery album that was pretty much fourth. And it was like, oh, just pick your, pick your spare part there. You know what I mean? And uh, the difference now being able to just select various items and various art genres and artists is just, the growth is phenomenal. It's my favourite thing ever that like, of the albums, of the bands in this list, I don't think any band in my list I've included in a list for an album of the year previously. In okay. the sense that like, these are all new bands that I've got into that have turned up because the rock and metal is thriving in a way that I've not experienced since we've been really paying attention. In terms of mainstream uh, recognition, may, maybe not, but like there's, a, there's an argument to be made that like rock and, rock and metal is thriving because it's no longer in the mainstream and bands aren't trying so hard to just be on radio one they're, they're being more organic they're trusting themselves more uh, they're being more adventurous in the songwriting bring me the horizon being like the atypical um, yeah. example of that i suppose i agree i agree we're going to start off with the list then um sam the fifth best album of 2019 in your opinion while she sleeps so what i'm surprised okay mate tell me so um initially this album was maybe eighth um, until I re-listened to it uh, a couple of times in a row about um, three weeks ago. And um, I was reminded once again by the unfervent enthusiasm I felt when I listened to it. Um, now, I can I can happily say that, that metal is thriving like you would, like you had mentioned earlier because of some of the new directions and things like that and the new bands that we've seen and some of the new sounds and the new artists that we've come across. But there's something about a good While She Sleeps album that that it stirs something within me that I don't necessarily hear from other bands. Um, when, they, when they're on, when, they're, when, they're, when the things are working for While She Sleeps with the group vocals, with that guitar sound, with that level of songwriting, with that ingenuity, I don't think there are many metal bands that can compete. I think their ceiling as a band is higher than pretty much anybody in British metal outside of Architects. And I think that what they're able to put together with So What is being stymied by fans who are disappointed that it's not as good as You Are We, which might go down as one of the best metal releases of the decade. And not quite as good as This Is The Six or Brainwashed. But I think that's representative of the fact that Whilst He Sleeps have been so brilliant and so consistent that So What looks negative by comparison. When for me, I think it has some of the more complete songwriting the band have ever put together and the more structured songwriting the band have ever put together, and the whole package of the album, I, I think I think is marvellous. And I went back and I was reminded once again by the instrumentation, by the musicality, by the the bravery and the ambition of the electronics, and the the real clarity of the production. And I think as a whole package, there were a few albums that could have shaken it. In fact, for me, there were only four. So, One of the things for me about so what by while she sleeps is that i remember the first time we listened to it we actually listened to it together around mine yes. uh, if i remember correctly we were watching the raw rumble if, yeah. I, if I remember it, it correctly nice it, with was, it was, violence, it, really, was early, it was an early it came out really early in the year so i think if i remember correctly we were we were definitely watching a wrestling event and we were like us <laughs> yeah unlike us uh, and we, we we listened to it together and like a, the second that i've seen it all finished we were like 
that's one of the best songs I've ever written, that is. Yeah, without that is like a That is like a potential game changer for them. And then I remember saying to her six months later, after we'd reviewed the album and we were like wax lyrical about how great this album was. And I was like, you know what, dude? I haven't listened to it since. It was kind of like one of them where, oh, that was sick. And they put it in the shelf and it was like, oh shit, that album's been there for six months. I haven't, I haven't listened I to it. I did exactly the same thing. Yeah. I, don't re- I can't really explain to you why. I, I, ju- I just tailed off with the it. The process I, of doing this list forced me to re-listen. No, I'm not. Yeah. Big, I'm not a big re-listener anyway. I'll be honest. Like something has to really grab me by the throat to be constantly sort of because I've got like playlists and stuff that I use rather than just single albums. But by re-listening to this album from start to finish, "Guilty Party" and oh, "So What," social man, is and seeing it all, "Elephant to Banger" as well, "Elephant to Banger" as well, and and it just listening to those songs again, and I was I was sitting there thinking and, and yeah obviously you'll put on shuffle on place and you're more likely to listen to life intention more likely to listen to um silent speaks but man this this album there's, there's not, not a bad song no it's not a bad not. song there's a, collect, there's a collection of great songs and like i said for me good while she sleeps is better than almost everything for me so when when this clicked um when i really listened to it i was just reminded of how brilliantly this album is put together and that's why it's that's why it's top five for me Judging by your reaction, Jack, when you were like, oh, yeah, I, I like can't compartmentalise the album. I haven't touched it for six months. Um, are, you, are you like, is it, is it in your list as well? It was. It was oh, in, no, it was in, in like, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So is, was there something that particularly stood out for you about the album that differentiated it in terms of quality from You Are We? See, I'm not of... You're a brainwashed I, I, guy. I'm right, a brainwashed yeah. guy. Oh, we've had this argument. We've had this we've argument. Had this argument yeah. yeah, I'm right. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll do a poll on it's their, it's their best album, but that's yeah. that's a whole mm, different well. podcast special <laughs> yeah. altogether. Uh, I'm a massive fan. Nothing is. Ha- it's really difficult for anything to come close to it because for me, if I hear an album in a certain time in a certain mind frame, it's going to be really difficult to top that. And one of my favourite musical memories ever is putting on Brainwash start to finish when me and Sam drove to a Blackout's final gig. That was great. And listening to that album, great. which literally finished when we got into Murphy's Leisure Centre car park. Even if there was half the album left, I'd have sat in the car park listening to the rest of that. Just being like, oh, the gig can wait. Uh, and no disrespect to the boys in the Blackout, but I preferred the album. That's probably <laughs> not a popular thing to say. Um, um, shade. Nothing, <laughs> nothing could come close to it. So even You Are We did not quite trumpet for me just because I wasn't in the right place at the right time for it. Um, it's got that personal connection with you as an album. Yeah. Which, so it's once really, you've got that personal connection, it's really hard to overcome that no matter what happens. I but everything that. just bolsters it and that's exactly what So What did and I love it. It's why it's in my top 10. But it wasn't quite, I don't know, it just, it, it just tailed off. I don't know what it was. Album number five for yourself? Uh, being as an ocean and animo. An emo. Proxy and an emo story. Proxy and emo story. And an emo story. An emo. An, 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 an emo. An, an emo. An spice. An emo. <laughs> Being as an ocean's new album. Uh, which was a massive curveball. That came. When did they release that? Uh, I want to say September time. Exactly. If I remember correctly, I don't mean to take like, oh, it was me that showed you the band. I, I think it you was. You do. I think I was like. <laughs> but it was me that showed you the band. I think it was exactly like me. I, I think it. I messaged him and was like, listen, Jack, there's this being as an Irish album coming out, and I don't know if you've listened to him before, but you will adore them because I adore them, and they're, they're thematically the kind of thing that you'd be into. Mm-hmm. Jack, they're kind of like Linkin Park, and I was like, all right, I'll give it a go. How soon were you in? <laughs> like instantly. Yeah. And I'd heard, what was the first single? Play, pretend? Play, pretend. I was hooked straight away, and I'd heard that when you told me about it, so I was like, hmm, okay, I'll give it a go. And I've never listened to Being as an Ocean before. And you'll know that pre this album, 
being as an ocean we're a very very different band yeah and it's not really a genre that i've massively dipped my toe into at all um so when they when they made this push forward which since i've gone back and listened to their last album and I can see that transition through to you this. You can see it's about to happen, but you they, see, haven't, they, they haven't, haven't quite thrown the deck of cards down just yet. And I think if I'd have started listening to them at that point, I wouldn't be as in as I am now. Right, I feel like I've jumped in at the point where they have nailed it. That album's so good. I have a question for you both. You both really like them. Yeah. The spoken word thing. Is that okay? Like, you like that? It's not really in this album. But I, but I also, regardless of whether it's in the album or not, I really like the spoken word stuff. Like Joel Quartuccio is, I think, a lyrical genius. Is that because he held your face at a gig? It, it's partly because he held my face at a gig, but also re- before that, like, I, I've got a, a lot of respect for his um, lyrical intelligence. I uh, interviewed Michael from the band, and he was saying that when he first joined the band and Joel's there, like, writing these lyrics in front of him, like, poetry, just, like, one after another, coming up with these offshoots off the top of his head. And Michael's like, Man, this this guy is a machine. I don't know how he's doing this. He's, he's lucky he, he can he, sing. He's, yeah, <laughs> like, he's amazing. And Joel carries that live amazingly. I, I saw them in the rescue rooms in Nottingham, small, small room. I want to say maybe 100, 150 people there. There was an atmosphere in that gig that I don't really think I can compare to many things I've, other, I've ever experienced like in my, in my life, not just like gigs. And the, the spoken word stuff, I, I think, really worked for being as an ocean in the sense that you could give those lyrics to a list of people and there's a chance that 7 out of 10 would be able to relate to it in some way because he's either talking about relationships or losing someone or depression, anxiety, mental health issues in general. It's hard hitting, isn't it? It's hard hitting. And once once you get like kind of sucked in, there is no in-between with being as an ocean. I think they are kind of marmite. You're either cold like you are and like oh yeah i like the odd song heartless (laughs) i like the odd song but as a general consensus i'm not really into the band or you are this band is almost everything to me and that's where i am i'm like this band is almost like everything i love about music um so now the spoken word's not really a problem for me and uh proxy in an email story is actually uh in my list as well when we get there and part of the reason it's in my list is because i think you had a, you made a very good point where like you listen to the album that preceded this waiting for morning to come and you can you can see that there's there's something in the works there but they haven't quite gone all in yet the the album that preceded waiting for morning to come was like a, a self-titled album i remember listening to it and i was like oh man this isn't good as hey we both wondrous we perish but this is like this is fine but this is getting a bit stagnant here they had and then to make a ballsy move with it and if they hadn't <clears throat> if they hadn't have done this it could have gone very wrong. Absolutely. And when Wayne from Williams Come comes out, he's got songs like Alone on. Yeah. And OK and Glow, you're just like, OK, this band has taken, taking a left turn that I wouldn't have expected, but it, it works. Some of these choruses are massive and they're well planned out. And then by the time we get to proxy in an email story, now they're like um, a space rock techno band. Now it's it, like, I don't know how I'd describe being as an ocean. What a combination. Just, well, it does feel, I, I know I, what you mean. I how many artists how, on Spotify under that come, come uh, that genre, do you think? And I know that sounds me stupid, me stupid right. saying that. And it's and like, what genre is that? Like, I don't know. I, I, like, I don't know. Techno. You should listen to Star Set. That'd blow your tits off. I, I imagine it would. Mm. I imagine it would. Um, blowing anyway. there, w- there was something really futuristic sounding about it. It, yeah. fa- it felt like I was listening to something that I haven't necessarily heard before. There's something really atmospheric about it. 
the whole album. Um, and then they just sprinkle in a little bit of their kind of what made them being as an ocean. Yeah. There's sprinkles of that. And that then ties someone like me, who's a, who's a brand new fan into tracking back, which even since September I've started to do and look back and listen to some of the, the back catalog as well. You could just speak about find our way for 30 minutes, really, couldn't you? Yeah, I just want to shed a single tear every time. Because that is uh, a song that is, in my opinion, astronomically well-written and really props up the album. Hugely. In, 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 terms of, in terms of quality. And I even remember when we were about to review the album and I hadn't quite, you, you hadn't received the album yet, but I said to you, listen, man, we're going to be reviewing this being as an album in a couple of weeks. I've got to show you this song just to gauge your interest. And even though you weren't massive on the album, you were like, to be fair, mate, that song's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, maybe I made a mistake because obviously I set your expectations at, at you know, no, no, A Star and... No, no, of course. What, no. what followed didn't quite match up no, to you. but subjective. I also think like the, the, the songs that you would consider filler on it don't feel like that like no, low life the way that joel's lyrics surround that yeah i'm in love with uh, and skin as well really beautiful chorus on that from michael and the album does not tail off at all no. i can't remember the few tracks at the end but it felt like there was like it, there was something else kicked in halfway through like a new lease of life almost and the rest of the songs picked up again there's barely any dip in it at all it was phenomenal so my um fifth album uh, his counterparts nothing left to love <laughs> i was i was really really toying with this like literally until i sat down i was flicking through my phone i was like am i gonna go holding absence self-titled or am i gonna go counterparts nothing left to love and it was literally like that dream what i said to you when we were driving up here there's still one choice that i'm just not certain on the rest of my list on concrete but this one I, i'm not certain and they're both astronomically good albums but oh man this this nothing left to love by counterparts Oh man, I have um, I've been a fan for three, four years. Counterparts, and I, I love Counterparts because they're, they're really heavy band, but they've got a way of flickering in these clean guitar lines that uh, completely change up change up the sound in the, in like a second. Yeah, like literally, they just drop one clean guitar line in, and yeah. the song changes. And, and that, that's something that really became more prevalent in this album than yeah. any of the previous ones. It, they've done it the best the in this huge. album because the melodic choruses that have been added which existed somewhat in counterparts albums before but they exist the most prevalent in nothing left to love yeah uh, paradise and plague separate wounds and cherished are probably the three best songs they've ever written in my opinion and yeah. they're all on this album and they are just they, they played cherished yes. it, it, well before not loose the um on Wednesday yeah, that did and we were, we were both like we both took a look around and everyone was like banging their heads and singing along with the chorus and I thought man counterparts wouldn't have been able a counterpart song over a DJ system wouldn't have been able to do this no. three or four they've, years they've ago they've taken a leap haven't they with this album 100% and produced by Will Putney who might have produced every album I was going to say what hasn't year? he produced has he slept this year, this year? <laughs> like yeah. this guy is a machine he's produced literally of all the albums that I really love this year, I want to go out there and say he's produced like 70% of them. He even produced the Norma Jean album, which was really good. I remember that, yeah. The, the guy is just uh, unstoppable. But, but here, and I, you know, I mentioned this when I, when I spoke to the counterparts pro uh, vocalist, Brendan Murphy. He, he was saying that Will has got this like relaxed attitude where he's just like, you know, you're a sick band, so just go and do your thing and I'll pull you up on what I think needs to be changed. And you, you kind of get a sense that when you listen to 
like the chorus of, of Paradise and Plague, which is obviously centered around, you know, the possibility of someone like committing suicide, so, like obviously it really hangs heavy on the heart. You can tell that he's just been like, go do your thing, Brendan. And if I think something's too strong or too weak, oh, then I'll let you know. And I think that's benefited this album uh, tenfold because without that, then I think this album could have been just another Counterparts album where you've got 30 really sick riffs with the odd clean guitar thrown in that changes changes the system up. But it still doesn't go anywhere. They've taken like a literal step here, which who knows what could happen next. Maybe it goes into even maybe even more melody or maybe they drop the melody out completely and go back to root. Whatever they choose to do, this album exists. In my opinion, it's the best thing they've done. It gives a whole new leg to the band. And I think this is just, and nothing that's loved by Counterparts is a really, really brilliant melodic hardcore album and they are quite far ahead of a lot of their peers. I would agree. I think, I think in this album, it's the cocktail is quite right between heaviness and melody here. And... Too often, I think I hear bands seem to choose one direction yeah. and go very far in that direction and then isolate either their own fan base or isolate critics or put people in a position where they feel they have to choose which side of the band they prefer. Yeah. And like you sort of seeing like sort of comment sections of people arguing and, and it becomes an argument where it's like growth against stagnation necessarily about rather than preference. And I think counterparts here have maintained the heaviness and the darkness and the brutality that swept through some of their earlier releases. But the additional element of melodic guitar and harmony and chorus has been has been appropriately blended in. It's been littered in, not in a, an overpowering sort of way where I feel that it's it's replaced the heaviness, but it's adding to it. It's and it's not bolt on, it's seamed in. So too often I feel like you listen to some metal bands, you're like, okay, here's the bit where the breakdown's going to kick in and then the yeah. breakdown kicks in. It's very formulaic and here's the second chorus because they have to now because it's the chorus and it feels like they're, they're sort of working towards a formula whereas counterparts here, and I, I agree with your point about Will Putney, I don't think it's any coincidence that the majority of albums that he's produced, the band has grown Yeah. in terms of musical direction. Um, he seems to be... Um, laying musical seeds for bands to really sort of sprout and grow into into these 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 really successful ones and i think counterparts have shown many hardcore and metal bands how to properly grow in an organic natural and not efficient way but a, um a successful one uh, and way where it works where the end product is a nice blend of what they're good at from both sides i think it's i agree with you it's tremendous just before we shoot on to sam's fourth were you into it nothing left to love have you listened to it no he'd enjoy it wouldn't he yeah i think you'd so enjoy it, like <clears throat> on so. the way back i'll, I'll play some you'll, you'll enjoy it and then we'll have the to re-record the you podcast because you'll put it third <laughs> 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 just an out, out of shot <laughs> uh sam uh fourth best album of the year in the least surprising selection of the entire podcast, I'm putting After the Burial's Evergreen at number four. You both know um, how much I adore this band. Yeah. Do you? Uh, yeah, massive fan. I, um, I, think, um, I think they're one of the best metal bands of the last five years in terms of musical dexterity, in terms of songwriting, in terms of structure. Um, and I think this album is not as good as Dick Deep. Um, Dick Deep <laughs> Dick Deep yeah um, it's definitely not as good as Dick Deep I Talk really Dick enjoyed Deep, that one yeah uh, yeah, absolutely thank you <laughs> um, but Evergreen is once again a sign 
and a signal towards one of the most phenomenally structured and meticulously written metal albums um, and metal artists. Um, Behold the Crown, Exist, Exist, 1126 are three of the best metal songs I've heard this year. And there's such such a juxtaposition between the tempo changes, the furious nature of the songs mixed in with the prog elements of, of like a periphery mixed with like guitar solos and harmonies and the sound of After the Burial, the tone of that band. There isn't a guitar sound like it. There isn't a collection of abilities like After the Burial where that is one guitarist and the sound that comes out, it's a monstrous achievement. I think this is is the fourth best album that I've heard simply because the songwriting here, the jigsaw puzzle that has been put together by this band is one of the most impressive sounds I've ever heard. And I think that's, for me, that's a theme with my list this year is it it's not i've not just picked the albums that i've enjoyed the most but i've picked the albums that i feel were the most meticulously put together and took the most effort and took the most production and and clearly bands have really deliberated over and really put piece by piece by piece by piece by piece and i think after the burial symbolized that as much as any other band and i just think this is a monstrous achievement for one of the most extreme and initially hard initially hard to get into bands because of how proggy they are and how uh, it's hard to even say, but like sort of, um, you have to really work sometimes just after the burial songs, the tempo changes and shifts, but they make them accessible somehow, I think. And I think this is an incredible achievement for an extreme prog metal album. I think this is just incredible. Uh, Jack? My number four or how I feel about that? Yeah, you number four. Behold the Crown is a banger, by the way. Behold the Crown is a fantastic song. Absolutely. It really is. Uh, at number four for me is Holding Absence and their safe self-titled debut. Ah, oh, superb. Holding Absence. Um, Deserved to mention it of all three of us, didn't you? Yeah, it's a difficult one. It, it, it couldn't not make my top ten, let alone my top five. I was trying not to be biased and go in with a non-biased opinion, but it's really, really difficult nah, to do. music is subjective. So. Um, and my top 10 list is, is made entirely out of out of that in terms of the bands that are, the bands that are in there are just because I like them. And that, that's, that's guy. I know people kind of factor in different things, but for me, it's purely what I like. Does it hit me at the right time? Um, so I was on board since day one because I, I, I knew it was in the works that they were doing this. And bear in mind, they dropped, I think, five or six uh, singles prior to the album over like a year, year and a half. This album took so, so long to come out and it was just built and built and built. You could and feel the importance for the band as well. For bands, that, yeah. could, be, that could be make or break because you're, you're kind of, you're riding that wave a little bit. It, it can, if, it, if it dissipates a little bit and, that, and it sort of, sort of kind of levels off, then when they release it, it doesn't get released to the to the same impact or to the same audience that it would have. Somehow they they've managed to, um, and there's just a certain passion and a certain heart that is carried through in every single one of the songs here, and it's kind of all encompassing. It's that similar thing to being as an ocean, who I'm sure are a massive influence for the band. Yeah, you can you can you can sense that. Um, yeah, they released a, the singles could have gone down really badly to largely to an audience that wouldn't still necessarily be there but somehow they rode that wave enough and when the album came out it hit and it hit hard and i know i said to you that they carry that same really weighty emotion that it's just it's easy to buy into but at the same time i think there's enough i hope you'll agree 
enough melody behind it to carry it oh, so yeah. that it's really yeah. accessible. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to, I'd argue that early being as an ocean was less accessible. Yes, absolutely. Whereas this is done in a package that is really, really accessible. Yeah, 100% um, agree. It just carries a huge amount of heart and passion and for myself, um, knowing specifically where individual members have come from and have come to, it, it adds that extra weight. Um, it's a huge thing for them and because I know that, it just makes it more special. I know how special it is to them and they carry that in every performance with everything they do and yeah, it's just great. And to be honest with you, there's there's no doubt in my mind that this would be in my top 10. It's, it's so me, you both know me and my yeah. music taste. Yeah. It'd be in my top 10 whether, whether I had that added element or not, but it just adds to it. And you're right, the deluxe version as well absolutely bangs. It's got the acoustic, with the acoustic sessions on it. Uh, what what they're capable of is I I don't know. This band are going to be huge. I'm 100 certain they'll be massive. Yeah, One of no the doubt. things I really like about the album is that it's especially in like today's meme culture, it's really easy to fall into like the sad emo boy club yeah. and have that be like a negative towards the band because immediately people don't take you seriously. Whereas holding absence, I suppose theoretically you could say it's like email music but they they never fall into that trap of just being like associated with memes with people with really long sweep fringes no, and, not and, sure, that's, no. and, and that's a credit to them of having the songwriting now to create an album that is completely for like if you like my chemical romance there's a great chance you'll like holding absence but they're never overly expose themselves to, to a sounding like more chemical romance to a degree as well if you like architects you might like something like this no that is yeah. true as well and because that it says, weighs heavy on you because they, they that don't sound so like more chemical romance no. they don't no. sound like creeper they don't sound like traditional email bands no um they're an alternative rock band at points yeah and a lot of this i think rests on the vocal performance in this uh, it's yeah. one of, it's one of the better vocal performances i've ever heard lucas is tremendous yeah um, and he carries it he carries he, he that, does. that passion really really well and and you have you have you have seen him live yeah no, I saw so him saw him I did you see so their full good. did you see their full band set yes so it's good. like they put everything in so there's good. nothing left and and that's that you know it shows it's phenomenal so uh my number four is an example of i, I try to curate a, a top five that would speak to me and also I'd be able to get someone off the street and be like this is why this album's really sick because it does all of these things but there are a couple a section on the podcast coming soon <laughs> there are a couple of choices that I've made that I've had to put in just because they're personal to me and I'm being selfish and, and my number four is Proxy and an email story by Being as an Ocean I've spoke about it a lot with, with Jack already so I'm not going to go massively into detail because I've, I've already made my points but what I will say is that this album does what I personally want it to do so it's not an album that I could uh, grab Joe Blogs off the street and just be like you'll love this album because you're a human being and why wouldn't you like this album but I think it just does exactly what I would have wanted to be in as an Ocean album. That's progressing the band to do. Their second album, How We Both Wondrously Perish, is a terrific timestamp for them for where they are at that time. And had they have still been doing that, I'd, I'd still be listening, I'd still be enjoying it, but I, I wanted the band to progress and do something uh, more expansive, and this is exactly what I think they should have done. And uh, I think it's a really, really tremendous album. It's going to add another three to four years onto the band's uh, cycle, which may not have been the case it must had they have stayed uh, where they were musically. 
it must carry that extra weight for you as well having been a fan through almost yeah. like the journey to this point yeah that must be really cool as well I, I can't see why any being as an Irish fan in 2014 would have turned off them in 2019 because yes it's not as intense but the intensity from Joel's vocal has been swapped around for just absolutely like titanically sized choruses that how could you not want to sing along yeah, to yeah the quality so, hasn't dipped no and they've so just, just exchanged it, it for something else. Yeah. So, tremendous album for me. An album that will live long in my memory. Uh, Sam, we're good. we've got on to the top three now. So, yes. third best album of 2019. Um, Sleep Token, Sundowning. Oh, boy. Here we go. Right, mate, uh, the floor is yours. Um, well, first of all, I think it goes without saying that I think this album was perhaps the most surprising album of the year by far. Um, at the start of the year, I had no idea who this band were. Um over time whispers started to occur of this this band that were that were that were religious sort of prevalence with the, the singles that had brought out they had this this reputation from like the, the religious views and they're there and i was thinking you know i'll, I'll give them a check out when, we, when this album came out i wanted to go in full-bodied and since hearing it um this is not top three because i heard it a month ago i think and I couldn't justify putting it over albums that I've been so cemented on its place for the last six to eight months. So because I've had the, the benefit of hearing them 10 to 15 times this year, rather than four or five. Um, but this album has impacted me as a music listener more than any album that I can recall in the last two or three years, simply because the songwriting is astonishing. Astonishing. Um, it's not heavy per se it's not um particularly dazzling in terms of the instrumentation per se no. it doesn't do anything particularly special in terms of the recording per se um but what it does do is it is created an emotive feeling and encapsulated a, a collection of moods and ideas concocted together I, i've never heard from a band like this ever in my life i think levitate is the song of the year um, I think if you if I could play that song to anybody and I think I would get an emotive reaction to it um, I think the some of the variety and the textualization of the songs here the way that they sound the way that they feel the way that they've been put together now I spoke ad nauseum about this on our recent podcast a couple of weeks ago but you don't just enjoy this album it, you feel it oh 100% 100% it, and, and, and I think that no album at all this year has made me feel more than this Sleep Token album yep. and I come from it from a position of and the, the, the nickname stands a genuine deep deep cynicism for anything that tries to make me feel that I don't want to feel um, <laughs> yeah um, I can attest to that actually I've known Sam a lot, a lot along a few years unless, 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 unless you're kicking me in the head like I'm not necessarily that interested um, but this metaphorically or sometimes not <laughs> um but when I get into the bedroom, it's a different story. Oh, um, oh shit. <laughs> You've dropped it. Uh, but anyway, what, what goes on with this Sleep Token album is more heartfelt, more soul-driven, more intelligent. And I talked about the vocal performance with Holding Absence, but the vocal performance here oh. is, 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 is goosebump quivering, spine-tingling, astonishing, jaw-dropping. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't praise this more than... I genuinely got emotional listening to some of these songs the first time I heard them and I was rushing to shout with the people and no other album has made me that enthusiastic for a very, very, very long time. And I think that's the reason why this Sleep Token album is so high for me. And I think if this album would have come out a month before, it probably is my number one. Third album of 2019, Jack? 
Sleep token, sundowning. <laughs> um, I know you've pretty much said uh, exactly how I feel about it. I, what I think is amazing about it, though, is that you can love this album if you were just to listen to it. And then you start to dig into the band and about what they're about and who yeah. they are. And it's something else. It, it's, you know, they have created a persona for themselves, a, yeah. a, a world in which this music lives in. Um, a theme, a concept like nothing real, I've ever a seen. A real identity, haven't they? A real identity for themselves, which arguably the, the music could stand on its own, well within its own right anyway. And then you start to, it starts to give more context when you start to see that they've kind of, I mean, the way that they released this album is the most ambitious release of an album I think I've ever seen. I agree. It, they've, they've been dropping singles since June. Every second Thursday at sundown. At sundown to line up with the sundowning it's that happened the best. on so the release sick. date for their yeah. first full album, and every release that Metallica came out, did this would be like, is this a bit ambitious? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, yeah. Metallica yeah. were looking at him going, shit. We could have well, done that's that. That's why they did S actually. Again, yeah. they were like, oh fuck, sleep talking to do this <laughs> yeah. shit. We, we gotta <laughs> step it up, boys. Yeah. And uh, they, I mean, every every one that they released, there was a single, and then it came with as an EP, and then every song added to it every new ep they added a merch line to it or something new or a new tour date and they announced stuff alongside it. it's the most ambitious album campaign i've, I've ever seen and I, I i can only say like it must have paid off and and it's, it's ridiculous these guys are on the same management label as holding absence shout out, a good future, year, they? shout out to future history management that also have Love, uh, fox jaw and they're going to do just well for themselves, aren't they? Future History Management. If Ryan. you need three extra members of your PR, <laughs> yeah. Future History, we're, Sign me up. we're, we're available. Absolutely. Um, but the, it's this finger on the pulse, isn't it? These guys are awesome. So uh, third for me is uh, Knocked Loose, A Different Shade of Blue. Now, this isn't an album that I've put in just because we happened to see them a few days ago. This album was already cemented in my, I knew this album would be in my top five. Oh, so the show didn't in. need to cement anything for you? No. Just confirm what you already no. know. I, I knew this album would be in my uh, top five album of the year list, three songs in. There is an absolutely, like, almost terrifying level of intensity in this album. And Not Loose were in a really difficult position going to the studio with Will Putney, of course, uh, when, they were, when they were making this. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? When they were making this album. are going to find out he produced this podcast. <laughs> when, when they were making this album, they were coming off Laugh Tracks. Now, Laugh Tracks was an album that literally one day I wake up and there's this band called Not Loose that are all over. Like I'm going to say hardcore internet. What I mean by that is... I follow a lot of people on Twitter and Facebook that pay attention to the underground of hardcore music and to metal in general and alternative music. So literally, I, I, I open my phone one day and everyone is talking about this new band from Louisville called Not Loose and they've got this song called Billy Now, Mate and it's one of the hardest things you'll ever hear. Uh, I, I check it out. Oh my God, it blows my head off. That wincing guitar tone oh, was crazy. I remember like it was yesterday. We'd heard it in our local nightclub. You yeah. messaged me the next day. What was that song that played? The one with the really wincing guitar. I told you, oh, it's this. Uh, Billy Nightmares by Not Loose. You started listening to the band. You were like, mate, this is absurdly heavy. Yeah, I can't believe 100%. it. percent So when you, when you, and then obviously their live presence started speaking for itself. Um, 
guy behind the camera, Dean, uh, tells me uh, last year when I was in Cardiff, they're like, oh man, they played upstairs at this uh, venue and like pe- there was blood all over the floors and people were diving off of like equipment and it was like, it was like this is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And that was, sometimes you can hear about things like that and it can be to the detriment of a band in the sense of like, oh, it's just a gimmick that people fight at these shows. At the end of the day, not loose or a terrific band. Like you, you could you could tie my arms like behind my back and make me stand still and watch not loose, and I'd still have the sickest time. But I hope that everyone else has to stand still as well. Also, <laughs> probably <laughs> definitely die. Well, you would um, die. Um, but what I think is so impressive about a different shade of blue is that they had to pick up everything that was on laugh tracks. This like monstrously intense album which was like breakdown centric and everyone wants to just lose their minds every time one of the songs is played and they had to translate that into a second album you know the quote unquote difficult second album mm-hmm. that did all that and actually give them a bit of space to, to breathe and grow as well and there's black metal there's death metal in this album there's straight up metal core there's hardcore there's doom metal uh, there is Keith Buckley of Every Time I Die on Forget Your Name he's one of my favourite vocalists full stop that song is just soul crushing yeah. I think this album is everything great about modern hardcore, but also an example of what extreme music can be. When you listen to Brian Garris vocally, I, I turned to you on Wednesday and I said, he can't do this in 15 years, surely. And you were like, surely not. Like, like this is, we watched them live, like, this is insane how yeah. he's doing this. Like, he, his voice is so, in, in, a, in a genre that there's a lot of, a lot of bands in, not loose, are legitimately unique. No one sounds like Brian Garris vocally. No. Uh, um, and I, I, I'm curious as to what would be the situation for them in 15 years, if I get in a time machine and just see what they're doing in 15 years' time, I'd be curious. But for the here and now, this album is violent. This album is progressive for the band. It's lyrically very interesting. Um, there's some of the uh, lyrics that surround the breakdowns like I've got a bound to pick with death he still follows me around and then that absolutely crushing like um, beat down drop comes in in terms of like a hardcore setting I can't speak highly enough about this album this is like every band that wants to be like an intense hardcore band you should listen to this album yeah and don't 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 quote unquote copy it but we were at, um, at the gig with one of our friends on Wednesday and we saw one of the bands and he was like, heard it all before that, man. And I said, sometimes it's just about taking the blueprint that already exists and just seeing how good you are at recreating it. And if you're an upstarting hardcore band, listen to a different shade of blue, see if you can put your own spin on it. That's the, be- that's the best thing I can say about this album. It is monstrously good um, yeah. this is like for me like all time great hardcore album like in yeah, my opinion I would, I would really fly phenomenal. in the flag for it in terms yeah. of yeah, I would, I would agree. hardcore which is a genre that I'm not into I know who knocked loose are yeah you know, and I, I gave this album a once for it blew my head off I haven't recovered uh, <laughs> yeah. but it, 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 it's great for me, I'd have to be in a certain mind frame for it. But absolutely. I still know that it absolutely bangs. Well, I want to add I want to add to the point as well. After the gig that we went to, it became quite clear to me, I've been thinking about this for a couple of days, that I think the zeitgeist in metal is sharpest at the hardcore end now. Yeah. Uh, and actually it reminds me of of the conversations that people used to have about the original punk scene in the 70s I and agree. 80s. Great point. That, that's, where, that's where metal at the moment is angriest. That's where metal at the moment is most populated by underground shows, underground gigs. It's where the bands are working hardest, where they're putting themselves on bills. That's where the live reputation is, is, is at its best. That's where it's most scary. It's, and so many bands here are surviving 
by word of mouth yeah and and like you've got to go and see this band you've got to go and see this show you've got to go and see these guys and it's that intensity that aggression that isolation and if you're into metal um with everything that's going on in the world and in the country there's no better time to be into hardcore no, uh, no. Uh, in terms of like the aggression and the isolation that is and seeing that togetherness and that that sort of release of energies and stuff like that and it really does feel like the hardcore punk scene has grown up Listen to Hatebreed for a decade and put on some knuckle dusters, doesn't it? And it, it's, Legit, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's fantastic to see. And I, and I agree with you, really. If you want to see where metal's going from an underground thing, you think, oh, metal's dead because Iron Maiden is still headlining download. First of all, go fuck yourself. And secondly, um, look at a yeah. knock loose gig because yeah, there are there. kids there that are 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 that are just as passionate, if not more so, than some of the metal fans I'm seeing, 35, 36, 37, 38, making sure that Iron Maiden still play fucking Run to the Hills for the 750th time. That's where metal is, and that's where it's living and breathing and fighting each other. The second best album of 2019 for yourself, Sam? Shadow of Intent, Melancholy. Oh, mate, what an album this is. What um, an album. Um, I don't like black metal fucking love this yeah. I, I don't yeah. really like too much death metal fucking love this um, I don't like um, songs with that weird sinister piano in the back that makes it sound like I'm listening to Cradle of Filth crossed with some like Amityville horror scene yeah. fucking love this um, I've never heard a metal vocal performance that contains so many different I didn't even know metal vocalists had more than one gear this guy has 17 yeah. it's like the mountain bike of metal vocalists he's like oh we got another level to go to I'm like what the fuck is happening here um, this album from a songwriting standpoint um, is just mind mind boggling um, the the depth of of, of the guitars and the, the way that they're constructed and the way that it literally combines like and I, and I really need any metal fan to listen to this because it, it combines sort of that tedious monotonous style black black metal vocalist all the stuff over the top of stuff that that's my impersonation <laughs> Sorry, that? by the way i know oh, i don't know if you can good. tell but in my own no, time i, like that. I, I don't moonlight in a black metal band right. i don't know if you've been able to tell i'm still working on it um but this is a combination of everything that i love about some great thrash metal um some great death metal some great black metal all sort of combined together in this sort of demonic cocktail and plethora of musicianship here and this might be the best mixed produced and recorded album of the year yeah was it will putney i don't, I don't believe it was will putney i don't now. think so i think i think i know if it was i think i think would. i think remember telling me they might have produced it themselves i've got I've, now that you've said that i do believe they might have but i wouldn't want to go on the record saying it i believe they did but uh, don't quote me on that one but yeah, outside, outside of, I think, my number one album, um, I think this has the best musicianship and songwriting and care and structure of, 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 the, of the year because this is an album that is so fucking extreme that on the outset you think there's no way I'm going to be able to listen to 12 songs of this. But it's so beautifully put together. It's, it's, it's black metal and death metal, but with enough melody to make me think, oh, I'm hearing a bit of like slip, not there, like hearing a bit of like machine head there. And then it kicks back in like, oh shit, that's like death or decapitated or whatever. And it, it's just the, the most impressive extreme metal album I have ever heard. Yeah. And by, by an absolute landslide, this is changing the genre on the fly. In the moment, listening to this, it felt a landmark album in the moment. And you don't say that very often. Like I always say, like we're doing the greatest metal albums. You've got to wait 10 years and see if we're still talking about it. I already, within, within a day of listening to this album, I'm like, metal fans should be talking about this in a decade because 
They're kicking the decaying death metal can up the road further than pretty much any, many, any other metal band with this album. It is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. I remember like it was yesterday when I decided we were going to review uh, the album for the podcast. It had already come out and I was listening to it in the gym. And I messaged you and I was like, mate, there's this album reviewing. It's got a 10 minute deathcore instrumental on. And you were like, fuck off. And I was like, Ser- <laughs> seriously, man, there's a 10 minute deathcore instrumental on this. And I was like, and you know what, mate? It's amazing. Incredible. It's, like, it is literally mind blowing. I think most other years, this album would be in my top three. That's, and speaking back to right at the start of the podcast, that's how good 2019 has been. Seven for you. Seven, yeah. seven for me. Um, but I think on most other years, it would be in my top three. There's not really much more I can add to what you've said. It, this is any fan of extreme music should have this album as a number one priority to listen to. Or if you've already listened to it, I've got no doubt it would be your extreme. It's my extreme metal release of the year. Yeah, to drag us into that genre as yeah. well. Not usually something we dip our toe in over overtly. No, no, because I mean? we, we do get a bit like it's a bit gimmicky sometimes. Yeah, like extreme metal. As far as we tend to go, sometimes, it, mate, to yeah, fair. yeah. And to be able to pull us into something like this. This and Venom Prison is one of the top two extreme metal um, releases of the year as well. It's just marvellous. It's yeah. marvellous. It's punctuated that zeitgeist now. It's almost considered like a, like a metal masterpiece in, in several genres. I think it's incredible. For yourself, Jack, second best album of uh, 2019? For me, my second best album was Sam Fender's Hypersonic Missiles. So I'm a complete unknown here, so you're going to have to give me a full SP on this. Uh, so Sam Fender has been bubbling around the alternative scene for for quite a while, um, and is kind of like he's been that relentless musician, much like Ed Sheeran was when he was um, kind of just gigging and gigging, played everywhere, and gigging, anywhere, playing everything, anywhere he could. There, there was that sort of um, DIY approach from him, um, and you'd I'd heard his name a lot. I'd heard his name come up a lot, and and this album came out of nowhere largely speaking yeah. um but it was it was a number one album this year it's uh it's 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 good old rock pop okay music very much influenced by bruce springsteen and it's oh, right, like, okay. it's like bruce springsteen had a kid and his kid can play yeah it's really, yeah. really Are you well saying, yeah. oh yeah 100 percent. right yeah. okay and it's phenomenal musically it is and it feels like a loving phenomenal. tribute rather than a direct copy of. Okay. That's yeah. why I like and, it a and lot. He pulls it off and he does it well. Um, and on top of that, then the added the added bonus of it is it, it's in in 2019 somehow this has been a number one album. Yeah. It's an album that's been consumed largely by the masses and loved in a time where you don't see albums like this get into. You don't see bands or don't artists see, at all. You don't you don't see full band type or music with guitars in make it anywhere near the top 10 no. you've obviously got you've got bring the horizon that made it close you get some little sort of peaks like that yeah slip he's, he's absolutely smashed it so it's that added level of uh, not only uh, the album's phenomenal it's worth a go because this hit me at the same time as the menzingers album i'll say no more um and it's that kind of really anthemic rock that just grabs you, pulls you in, and you're in. You're with it. It speaks to you, and you don't know how. And you're like, yeah, that's me. And you don't really <laughs> know why. Um, but 
it's the the album itself is so varied. He um, he has the title track which opens the album, Hypersonic Missiles. Um, he talks a lot about society, um, the sort of situations that we're in, Brexit. I said it. Um, at the same time, towards the tail end of the album, like the last song on the album is a song called "Use," which um, it's really slow. Shows off his vocals. Beautiful song as well. It's it's unbelievable. He he. And then at the end, you hear the claps because it was a live track. Oh, that's sick. I'm into that. It, it, it was like... I love shit like that as well. Oh, that's cool, man. If I wasn't in already, I showed him the other day and I was like, yeah, man. It's got that, it's got, it's got that feel to it. And somehow, despite him currently being on a, on a tour um, where he's playing like sort of 1,000, 2,000 cap venues, he's already got an arena tour booked for next year. It's like he's like like that just announced for supporting the killers I'm going to check I, this out oh, I'm literally out completely no. unknown to me I, 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 really I, like I don't pay yeah. a lot of attention to like mainstream music I don't mean that to be like oh I'm no. so edgy I just mean like I, I just don't really pay attention to it it's a bit um, isn't it so oh, I'll, oh I'm God, sure I love yeah. it um, yeah yeah I'll, I'll, I'll check this out man it's great I, I, I would agree as well and I think um, Jack showed it to me really late November and I'd the already saxophones. heard the main signal for, 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 a, for a couple of months <laughs> Because uh, it was just, it's it's born to run for the modern day, the, the, the main single is. And I mean, that as a real compliment. And just, I think if I'd have given it time, it might have snuck it into the, to an honourable mention or it might have even gone even further because it really is. And there's saxophones. Yeah, it's, 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 it's anthemic songwriting. It really is. So my second album of the year uh, for 2019 is a Sleep Token, uh, Sundowning. Already spoken about it at length both of you, but I didn't really chime in because I had some specific things that I wanted to mention. I first heard about Sleep Token around about six months ago. Um, I stumbled across them from like a press release that like I got sent. And, you know, it seemed interesting. They were referring to the, the vocalist as Vessel. And I was like, what's this about, man? Vessel, what's going on here? So I, I, you know, I looked into it and like there's this interview that they did with Metal Hammer. And, you know, Metal Hammer asking them questions and, and their responses are like, it doesn't matter who we are, you know, you'll find out in time. And then like, you know, what, who is sleep? What, what is sleep token? Like, sleep's like a deity that we all worship. And I was like, this is like unlike anything else I've ever heard. This is before I listened to the band, by the way. So I was kind of interested in the story and then I started listening to them and I, and I realised how like unusual they are and like I'd never heard anything like it before, but... It didn't quite hit home to me how special Sleep Token are until you take in the album as a whole. You could listen, you can listen to the singles and they all do stand for something. And, you know, it makes sense they're released separately in the sense that you can quite happily absorb one single every two weeks and get something out of it. But when you listen to this album in its entirety, in a full run time, there's like a chemical reaction internally that goes on when you listen to this album that I have literally never experienced in my life listening to music. And it drilled home to me just how special Sleep Token are. When I, it was quiet at work. Two of the uh, women that I work with, uh, one of them sings in a, in a church choir uh, and the other one is like, uh, I think a favourite artist like Ariana Grande. But I was like, you know what? Um, they all know that I listen to like quite extreme music and they're like, oh, you know, you agree about all that kind of stuff. But I was like, you know what? Um, 
I've got this artist that I'm really into called Sleep Token. I'm going to play a song and see what you two think. And the first, like, oh, no, we're scared. And, like, you're expecting it to sound like... like, it's <laughs> like the speaker beat them up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Like, there's sounds you'd hear in, like, a dungeon from Saw 4. Um, but I put on Levitate, and they were, like, take, like, sitting back, and they were, like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Like... They were like, I've never heard anything like this. And then, then I put on the offering. And then I put on like give, sugar, and they're like, wow, this is unlike anything I've ever heard. Like the one of my workmates then started researching Sleep Token herself because she was like, wow, this is interesting, isn't it? Started looking into it and stuff. And I can't wait for those workmates and everyone you've told about it to stumble across the track, gods, and for them to have <laughs> yeah, like, that, for that three minutes, oh, fifteen seconds. But oh no, this isn't for me. <laughs> um, but I, I think. Adding to what you two have said, that sums up what this album is. This album can... We cannot do this album justice in this conversation. It cannot be done. This is a work of art that is... This is the Mona Lisa. You you need to... You know, the Mona Lisa looks like just like a, a woman that's sitting there, but the, you look at the intricacies and you realise how special it is. That is this, this album. This is... Um, a special, special landmark in alternative music. This is not a, a metal album. This is not... Apart from gods, this isn't necessarily quote unquote heavy in the usual context that you'd say yeah, the word heavy. Isn't it? But this is heavy in its soulful weight. This is heavy in its lyrical content. This is heavy. The, the final track of the album, Vessel, the vocalist is crying in the background. This is like a, a, a force of an album that you just cannot experience elsewhere. In, in literally any other year that I've been listening to music, this album would be my album of the year, I think. And, that, and I mean that since I started paying attention to music, so about six or seven years ago. In any of those years, this album would be my number you one. You could have fallen I, I in love with it at any point in your life, yeah, well, couldn't you? You, you, I could, you can show this album to literally anyone. Like, my mom likes Sleep Token. Um, like I said, the two women that I work with at work like this album. My brother loves this album, who's not necessarily massively into alternative music. This album transcends any genre. It almost transcends music. This is, like I said, this is like an emotional fight throughout 12 songs. The, I can't believe that this album exists. It's so intelligently put together. It's unusual. It's unique. It, it, you know, music in 2019, me and you say all the time, Sam, like, it's really hard to like be unique now because yeah, it is like, you know, so much has been done. Been done like, Everything's you know, derivative. Even even pop music, like how oh, far especially we, pop music. You know, how far uh, the pop music is like one of the most like sought after uh, sought after genres of like forty years. But even now, it's like well, everything's been done. A lot of it's sampling previous stuff, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, but this is legitimately unique. You would have never heard an album like this. I would agree. Anywhere in any genre, any time. Any year other than 2019, this is this is like my album of the year. And I think if you said to put a gun to it and say, tell me your top 20 albums right now, I think of all time, I think this would be like in the top 10. Like, this is a, a, a masterpiece beyond masterpiece. This was their debut. Debut. That's the <laughs> thing. That's the thing. That's, how rare is it? How rare is it that an album is immediately special in the moment? Yeah. Like, it felt significant in the moment. 
like we've talked about albums that we've then looked to look back and and said oh that we realized now how special that was like there is a hell bring me the horizon yeah you look back on the album now like you take yourself out of the 2010 bubble and you're like that was really important they really for that invented band. something yeah, yeah yeah really important for that band and what happened afterwards was really important this album it's like the moment you're hearing it, I, it you're right it feels it feels special and and i won't repeat anything i've ever said before but it we you were right Please listen to this album. I'm imploring the camera, I'm imploring the people. Listen to the album. Get close. Yeah. Get close. <laughs> right in. Go on, right zoom in. in on his face. <laughs> um, you, the people. You need to hear this album. It's one of the most transcendent musical releases I have ever heard. And I've, we've listened to a lot of music this year, a lot of music ever. Just to finish this off, I remember when I said to you, we're reviewing this album, I was like, Sam, the album we're reviewing this week, you have to listen to it now. Like, I, I, was, I was waiting for the bus for work. And I messaged you and I was like, you have to listen now. Don't wait until like the, the you, because you usually listen to the album like just before we record. So you've got your thoughts fresh. Yeah. Like, Please don't do that. Please listen to it now and tell me. And you were like, you know what, mate, you're right. Wow. I yeah. can't, I can't believe this. Um. So yeah, we, we could be wax lyrical about this album for the next hour. And that tells you just how brilliant it is. Uh, I still won't know what it sounds like. Still, by the time I, I still there. won't be able to describe <laughs> what it I don't sounds like. I have been able to adequately describe it at all. No, no, no. no, <laughs> no. I've tried we to. still haven't done it justice. Um, sleep token, sundowning, uh, beyond, masterful. Yes. Sam, the album of the year for 2019 for yourself? Tool, Fear Inoculum. I, I figured it might go here. Mate, the floor is yours. Um, I thought you'd all agree with this opening statement, if not the justification of the album. This was probably the event of the year in alternative music. Yeah. You can't argue with that. No, you can't argue um, with that. Just, and the way that it was managed from the anticipation over the last 13 years between the last Tool album and this one, uh, and the way that it was released, the way that it was teased, the way that it was distributed and marketed to people. Um, the, as now, I've not experienced an album like that in terms of the weight. And the like. I mean, like weight as in W-A-I-T for it, the anticipation for it, and, and then the actual release of the, the music coming itself. Um I know that Tool aren't for everybody. I know that. And I know I think you have to put this album on and really be in a in an open mindset. And I think Tool are a band like that. And I think Tool remind me a little bit of 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 certain certain films and certain works of art that you you really need to sort of come into with an open mind and appreciate it for what it is, not for what you wish metal was or what you are missing from your favourite artists. But simply put, uh, not only is this the event of the year, um, this is some of the most finely structured songs for nothing at all that metal is known for. This is the most atmospheric album I have heard in a very long time. Discounting the sleep talking one while, while it has emotional weight, the, the, the subtleties of texture here in Tool and the way that they build up their songs and the way that they have constructed some of these um, some of these shifts and tempo changes and instrumentation is just uh, at times mind-boggling. And we've all had separate conversations, me and you on the podcast and me and you privately, where you've all said, not necessarily for me, but you've said, I get it. Yeah, and I you've do. said, I never thought I'd be... What world where Jack Colloway listens to an 11-minute <laughs> prog metal song and thinks, you know what, that was good, that was, I enjoyed that, speaks volumes, speaks volumes about the... Or, or the juxtaposition between how beautifully and meticulously it's put together and yet how accessible it is if you immerse yourself into it. Mm. This is the 
this is an album that shouldn't be this appealing and accessible and yet is this is an album that shouldn't be this um, easy to get into and yet it is and I know you have to put some work into it at times in terms of the time you have to give it and really you can't listen to it in the background but I think it is the most rewarding album I have heard this year coupled with the anticipation and the wait because how often really where a band has had a decade long album wait and it matches expectation it's has a true it, rarity has it ever happened um, you've got, you think Guns N' Roses Chinese Democracy took 14 years I think I'd be happy with never hearing that album ever again. It just didn't match my expectations. It's never going to be Appetite for Destruction. I kind of hoped it was. Fear, Fear Inoculum is is like 95% of what Lateralis is, and it's that, it's that good, and that, that is like a, a genre-defining um, pro, uh, progressive metal album. This is purely and simply songwriting in its most unhinged uninhibited form, and it's creativity in its purest format here, of a band that are completely uncaring to what the stereotypes and structures and expectations we have for metal and alternative music and no band sounds like them and this album was a confirmation that atop of the prog metal alternative music scene Tool sits pretty much alone and isolated in terms of the ability they have to put their songs together and this album is a confirmation of that and for me it was just an extraordinary effort considering my expectations. Who do you think is the difference maker for Tool? Is it mine or James Keenan? I think, I think he he's the most obvious one to point to because his vocal performance, how it you know completely conflicts the the style and the sound. But I really think Tool is an a, an organism without one particular person would fall apart entirely. You take Danny Carey, the drummer out of that band, and the you can't get somebody else to be able to mimic that style. Uh, you take the, because the, you took a guitarist and say you've got nine minutes, but you've only got two riffs and you've got to make them really count. There are a few guitarists that could be able to do that. The, the bassist is extraordinary. And I think Maynard, the way that his vocals slide in and out of these, they're not the forefront, they're sort of in the background at times, uh, allowing the music to sort of soar. And it just feels like a very complete idea. And I, I I think Maynard is the easy one to point out to because vocals are obviously the most identifiable feature of a song. But I think the beauty here in Tool is that they are all as equally potent as each other. Legacy for Tool, do yeah. you think, where, where does this album sit in terms of their legacy for you? Do you with, with the weight, the anticipation, the way it was released, the way it was announced, if I remember, if I remember reading the headline correctly, this like outsold Kanye's yes. uh, latest album. Uh, this was a bigger deal than Slipknot's yes. uh, latest album. Obviously, the weight between Slipknot's newest and, and Tool's yeah, album has, wasn't as long, but, but still, Slipknot are landmark band for metal. And yet, Tool's album seemed to trump it in terms of anticipation and mm -hmm. album size, etc. And so, wh where does Fear and Ockham sit in their legacy for you? Is it, is this top of the tree? I think it, it. I think it's close to. I think it depends entirely on your opinion whether it's more valuable to have get to get to the top of the mountain and break through the first time, or reclaim it the second time. Whichever yeah. one you think is more valuable. I tend to lean towards the latter. Yeah. I, I think it's harder to get back to the top of the mountain when you've already been there. And I think, I think this is, um, I think Lateralis is a better album in terms of its individual, individual quality. But I think an anemia broke through the band. But the reclamation project that this required to be, for them to be able to take this long out, um, take this long to do it, produce it, bring it out, not bother about a time schedule or timeline or anything, bring it out to be this good. Is, is incredibly, incredibly impressive. 
I just think the idea of the, the retribution of Tool, almost their journey back into a zeitgeist in a, in a metal scene that had largely forgotten about them, and a whole generation that missed out that aren't fans, that they've brought back in and piqued the interest and curiosity of in a world that is so immediate, where everything should be immediately available, and a band that's made you wait 13 years for a song that for, for six or seven songs that make you wait an hour to figure out what the fuck they're on about, has captured that audience and beaten Slipknot in sales figures, the kings of contemporary metal. It's it's an astonishing achievement, and that's and that's where I want to say, you can you can you can say you have personal views about other artists and other albums. I think in terms of the project, the anticipation, the wait, this is the event and the achievement of the metal year. Uh, Jack, just passing to you about Tool. Um, a prog metal is probably the thing I would associate with your musical taste the least. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Where, where do you, you know, because with me, obviously we reviewed it on the podcast, so I listened to it a few times. Um, prog metal was not really for me, but it, it, it's more for me than it is for you. What were your immediate thoughts on this album? I didn't make it all the way through. Yeah, uh, yeah. To be <laughs> fair, mate, it's over an hour, so I wasn't. Exp- I was expecting you to say that, but I gave it a try. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what song I gave a try. Even Colin voices, Colin voices. Um, there are intricacies there that you can understand Sam's points, aren't there? It, it's like nothing I've ever heard before. Yeah, that Which I can is, again, say. as we've mentioned, is difficult in 2019. Yeah, um, and and likewise, I know. I think I think the hook for me this time round, and Sam Sam knows this for me is when you tried to show me is it ten thousand days? Yeah, I can't remember. You didn't like it at all. I didn't like it because production's a massive thing for me as well, and I kind of just especially then when you showed me, which was like what second year of uni, you're talking years ago. Um, I was quite narrow minded with that sort of thing, and I only liked the sort of the present and stuff that sounded in your face and bassy and yeah. So this album was that but with better production. And and for me, it was that kind of, that made it more accessible and made me want to listen to it. So your podcast is what made me give it a go. I gave the one song that you talked about quite a bit ago. I liked it and I, I, would, I would probably enjoy it as a listen. And it's like nothing I've ever heard before, which in itself says how great it is. Uh, Jack, your album of the year for uh, 2019. Are you laughing because you know it's the same as yours? Um, I'm quite confident. I'll, <laughs> I'll give you the floor. Uh, the Menzingers, Hello Exile, is my album of the year. Wow. Yeah. This really shot up the list. Yeah. Yeah. When did this come out? October. October. And this is what I mean about the tail end of this year is from yeah. what was my Last top been unreal. 10 list completely out. Um, storytelling like I've never heard huh. before oh. in my life. Yeah. Um, you get everyone when when my chemical romance came about, and they were on a scene where people were saying I wasn't in in into music at that time, and everyone was you know that kind of like I'm not okay. Everyone's crying along with them. You see people at shows that are like this speaks to me. I was kind of like mm. I've never had anything like that. I got in it into it too late. I love music, I'm passionate about music, but I'd had nothing that was just like, yeah, this this gets me and I get it and we're friends and <laughs> Hello Exile did exactly that. <laughs> um, it's like storytelling I've never heard before, but it connected with me in a way that 
I haven't had for a long time with an album and it was like that instant every song was just adding to an to another in terms of like you can take away parts of it that apply to your life and you know that kind of the idea that it's the whole hello exile is saying goodbye to your youth kind of theme across it um and it might be stories that i can't necessarily relate to but it it, it just and i mean that the last song on the album for me which you two know because i've talked about a lot yeah is it's just really special like there's there is lines in there that I just you just kind of like oh it speaks to me uh in a way that a lot of music hasn't for a very 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 long time uh and it's that kind of you hear it in a moment that you're you know like I was on my way to work um and going to my job where I have to travel for ages and I've got like wife and baby at home and you take things retrospectively when you're in that that sort of uh setting and it just came on at the right time and it just put everything into perspective and I'm driving home I get home I'm like yeah this is life man <laughs> so that's why I literally just had to just sit there for a bit like wow this is dug deep it's phenomenal can't top it um I I've personally this year's presented a lot of music like this it's rehashed my love for the likes of it it's like Gaslight Anthem Sam Fender came around at the right time um it it's phenomenal it's absolutely phenomenal so my album of the year for 2019 is hello exile by the menzingers oh man where do i start um i talk to you sam a lot about i wish we were 16 when dookie came out by green day yeah i wish we were 21 when master of puppets came out uh metallica also yes I am so happy that I am 26 years old as Hello Exile has come out. Um, if there was ever an album that came out at the right time um, in my life, this is this album is it. Um, man, this album is about being scared to grow up. And man, I literally talk to you about it every week. Yes. That is like... I'm I'm happy to like say it in front of a camera. One of my biggest fears in life is growing older. Um, I love my youth. I, I love um, how simple life is and how great it is for me in this moment. Uh, I love going out with my mates and not having to worry about the real adult stuff. No, I don't mean any offence there, Jack. Um, oh, whereas I'm looking at it retrospectively, <laughs> like oh, those were the days. I love how life is right now and, and like one of my biggest fears is how life could potentially change in 10 years and it could be for the worse and how would I handle those changes and, and this album, you know, for the most part is, is about handling growing older and not necessarily being happy with the changes that comes with that and storytelling in an album, like you were saying, Jack, I, I have never, ever heard, like in this album, Man, um, there's a song on this album called "I Can't Stop Drinking," um, and it's that speak to you, yeah. Uh, not <laughs> not in the context that he's on about because he's on about uh, being an arsehole to his missus, but uh, which I, you know, I certainly hope I'm not anyway. Um, but you know, there's a song in some called "Can't Stop Drinking," and you know, I'm listening to this song. And I'm not an alcoholic, but like I felt like one listening to it. You know, like I, I was I was so like entrenched in, in what the story um, that they were telling in this song was, and. There's a song on it called Strain Your Memory and it's about 
reminiscing, spending too much of your life reminiscing about what happened previously. Um, a lyric in there called, can you strain your memory back to time when trouble wasn't always on my mind? And, mate, I do this. I, I, I sit with you in my room and I'm like, mate, do you remember how sick life was when we were 23 and we, you know, we were doing this and that? And, yeah. there's, you know, again, like, Another example, literally a song on it is called High School Friend, which is about getting pissed and fucked up with a, with a friend that you've had for several years and you went to school with. Sam and me literally went to the same school. <laughs> like, we still haven't grown up. We still sit in my bedroom getting pissed on a Saturday night. Um, and the lyric, the, again, the lyric in there is, I was getting fucked up with a high school friend, wondering where all the good times went. And again, mate, we do this. Yeah, like, we do. Oh, we sit in my room and talk about previous memories. But... Even if I move away from what this album does for me lyrically, like London Drugs has got like the sickest chorus line and like the most upbeat kind of like persona, even though they're they're on about the fact that they can't stop taking drugs, but they wish they could. Um, And like what I think is, again, one of uh, the many amazing things about this album is that music is... And, and the way that you interpret this album is completely personal. Like, I could be sitting across from the band and I could and they could hear what I'm saying about this album. They'd be like, it's got fuck all to do with that, what you want about? <laughs> like, you're a million miles off, mate. But it's how are you taking it and applied it to my life? It works absolutely, I, I, absolutely perfectly to, to what I want. And how they've crafted this tale of living adult life in the years that you're starting to feel, oh God, yeah, time is moving a bit quickly now. Just absolutely spellbinds me. Like I, I press play on this album, and um, America, you're freaking me out. Which you know, like a kind of like political, uh, you know, jibe. And then Anna discussing, oh, you know, just but like actually, let's just talk about Anna because the chorus on that song. I think you could we could play that in any venue anywhere and people would at least like nod their heads and sing along because it's just so uh, beautifully brilliantly written my daughter loves that song she's like of course she does because she's got ears so and you know know. (laughs) those ears she's got ears (laughs) this and and I I 100% mean this this for me is like all time great album for me Um, I can understand why some and, and that is completely selfish that choices it's because it speaks to me personally um as as a fan of music that there is literally nothing i would like to change about this album i think it's perfect it's just the most captivating interesting story that as i've mentioned i might be taking completely out of context and they might not have meant anything what i've gotten from it but doesn't doesn't it though doesn't it speak volumes that you've got two people sat next to each other that have heard the album coming from complete opposite ends of the spectrum yeah in terms of you know you're sat there worrying about the life that you you will have yeah and i'm sat there looking at the life that i did have that sounds really somber um jack loves his life <laughs> i love my life i love my wife daughter and his wife <laughs> they're all great but um and that's why i said about farewell youth because the the final track on it has the line uh farewell youth I, i'm afraid i hardly got to know you I was always hanging out with the older kids and it was for me I looked into that and thought yeah do you know what I I wanted to grow up really quickly I wanted to to just dive into adulting and and get on with it um and I have and I did and I love it but there's no going back from that so it's that kind of I'm looking at it from a completely different perspective 
but it still just speaks volumes to me. I think I think that's the the metaphor and the power of music. Definitely, but that, it's that you can get something out of that that is yeah. different, but the, the feelings and emotions are, are, are similar, and that that this song can create a blueprint, a template for you to take away and apply to your own situation and your own life and your own feelings, your own emotions, and you become more connected with those songs and they pattern your own beliefs and. So I think when you look back at my favourite songs and favourite albums, the majority of them are the ones that not just that they, they're great, they're catchy, they're enjoyable, that they, they impact you personally or they, they yeah, speak absolutely. to something that matters to you. And the fact that the Menzingers have produced one album that applies to two people in two different ways, that they've come out with it the same emotional depth to the enjoyment that you have, speaks to, speaks to the power of that song, speaks to absolutely. the power of the music. And I think that's a massive compliment to them as songwriters, that they can set this platform that you both have walked on, but from completely different directions. Timing's everything in music for, for the individual. Yeah. As I've mentioned, holy shit, man, I'd love to be 16 when Dookie came out. To just be like in this rise of new, like new punk, like what would eventually be pop punk. Um, this album couldn't come out of a, a, a better time for me. I, I wouldn't have quite if this came out when the came, album came out and I was 21 and I wasn't as into music as I am now I would have probably nodded my head along to Anna and then and then switched off um, there's something about this album that captures me at this point where I'm in, in my life that yeah. I, I just think this album you also is 21 you are in the youth yeah you have not said farewell to it yet. this album is everything I could want from a rock album it, it is everything it's got the it's got the anthemic choruses it's got uh, bridges that mean something it's got lyrics that are written almost as if they came to me and were like what do you worry about in your life um not so much the drugs thing but like the growing older thing um speak like, like as i've mentioned and, and nauseam speaks to me uh, like nothing else i've ever heard this album would be in uh, my album of the year um in any year uh, that I can think of of modern memory. Obviously, there are certain albums from previous years that are before my time that I would say have, you know are greater. But specifically to me, I, I couldn't have asked for a better album. Albums come out of the Menzingers, and they've got this ability to take this really dark subject matter and somehow make you feel happy about how they've written about it. Um, I can't stop drinking is a really solemn, somber song about an alcoholic who's being abusive to his wife and yet like I've kind of got this juxtaposition feeling of kind of makes me feel happy when I listen to this because it's so well written there's not really much else I can say it's one of the great in my opinion one of the great albums of all time and you, when you ask me in 25 years what's one of the albums that shaped your time when you were most into music it will 100% be um, Hello Exile by the Menzingers or, or at least one of them Man, I, I got emotional. I got like, I was savvy into that. Then. I got like, okay. emotional. Like, yeah. <laughs> Can't um, wait to group hug after this podcast. Man, yeah, man. That was uh, man. That, I, I loved it. I loved that, boys. That was uh, that was something special. Yeah, yeah, it's Huge. exceptional, man. Uh, I want to take uh, a special moment to thank uh, Dan and Butte Studios for having us in uh, and talk about music for a long time. I hope we've still got your attention at home. And standing with and, that and camera. And standing with that camera, <laughs> Michael. You are a titan, Dan. <laughs> you um, have moved. I want to thank uh, Dean on the camera. I want to thank uh, Paul on the sound and Ben, uh, social media. I want to thank everyone who's contributed to Noise. I want to thank everyone who's clicked on the Noise article or has listened to the Noise podcast. Hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, this show will be 
be out before the end of the year. And if it is, we're going to be back with the podcast at the start of next year. We've got a load of stuff planned for you. I've got the Chris Meets Jack episode to share, which was we recorded last night, which was two hours. And we're talking about Jack's childhood and uni with Sam, which is worth listening to the episode just for that part alone. <laughs> Thanks for everything you've given us so far. Uh, we're going to do our best to repay you with uh, as good content as we can produce. I've been Chris. He's been Sam. We've been Jack with the Noise Podcast. Back in 2020. We love you. Bye. Bye.